hello and welcome fellow film buffs. I'm Zachary Droll. I'm joined by my co-host and fellow cinephile, Hunter Ventilero. Yeah, we are the ones. I don't know. We're we not are watching. the box office We're not making. Losers. We're not watching The Matrix, but you know, it is what it is. Each and every <laughs> week, we deep dive into the movie spirit to watch and review any and all films to ever grace the silver screen or your TV screen. This week, we are talking about Ready Player One. It's funny you bring up the Matrix. <laughs> I actually I, I have the book right here. Matrix vibes. I, I I read the book, and like um a, a quote from the from, from the USA Today that describes the book, which is um, enchanting. Willy Wonka meets the Matrix. That's facts, honestly. Oh hell, even like a fun note. I I even I, I listed this somewhere, um but like uh before Gene Wilder passed away. He was like he was originally planned casted to be um, James Halliday. Yeah. The old James Halliday. It would be it would have been cool if we got um no 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 uh you know the trailer that came out a while ago with the imagination? Your imagination Yes. yes. Yeah, that that's one of the Willy Wonka songs, right? Yes, that is. Yeah. Dude, that just encapsulates what it is. Like this movie is visually awesome. But we'll oh, get into I, that I mean, later. <laughs> a, a, a humble brag: I was able to watch this on my on my nice 4K TV in my room, and also I have like a fucking sur- I, have a, I have a surround sound. So oh, nice, big old humble brag. It was like it, it's a nice like like visually stunning and nice like um, hearing everything and feeling everything. But also as a side note, I will be talking about the book a lot in this review. Cause Yay. With book adaptations, you gotta talk about the book a lot. <laughs> For the most so, part, um, I th- there are some things in this movie that I liked more than in the book, but there are a lot of things in the book I like more than the movie. Mm. But with that being said, Ready Player One is a 2018 American sci-fi action adventure film based on Ernest Cline's 2011 novel of the same name. This film is directed by Steven Spielberg from a screenplay of Zach Penn and also Ernest Klein himself. This movie is set in the year 2045. Much of humanity uses the virtual world of the Oasis to escape the real world um, ordinary... Um, orphaned. Ordinary to- or- orphaned. Woof. He is an uh, orphaned teenager. <laughs> uh, orphaned teenager Wade Watts finds clues to a hidden game that... Um, promises the Oasis ownership to the winner. And he and his four allies try to complete it before a corporation run by the businessman Nolan Sorrento can do so. Hell yeah, That dude. is the first time an overview did not list the cast in it. Well, I said I deleted it. <laughs> oh, shit. I did not know that. Because <laughs> I deleted it because we're going to talk about the cast in literally a second. <laughs> well, Hunter... You want to talk about this cast real quick? Yeah, this cast is actually really, really good. We got Ty Sheridan, who is also known as Cyclops and uh, in, from the X-Men movies. And he was in Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, one of my favorite, like, stupid movies of all time. Uh, he plays Wade Watts slash Parzival. We have Olivia Cook, Ooh, icing on the cake right there. Um, she was actually wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. She was up uh, running with three other actresses, but we'll get to that in the notes. But uh, I, she's from Bates Motel, and she's been in a bunch of other movies that I have not seen. <laughs> but Bates Motel, that's the sub. I've seen a couple movies she's in, I just don't remember. 
Uh, she played Samantha Cook slash Artemis. We got Ben Mendelsohn, motherfucking Talos himself, as Nolan Sorrento, a.k.a. Boss Man. <laughs> yeah, Boss we got, Man 69. Yeah, we got a Lena, Lena Waithe as Helen Harris, a.k.a. H, spelled A-E-C-H, which I didn't know about. <laughs> I didn't know that's how it was spelled. Oh, same, same. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Makes sense. It's more phonetic. Um, TJ Miller as IROC. We got Simon Pegg as Ogden Morrow slash The Curator. We got Mark Rylance as James Halliday slash Anorak, The All-Knowing. We have Philip Zhao as Joe slash Show. And we have Wynn Morizaki as Toshiro slash Daito. And then we got a couple other characters sprinkled in here and there that aren't as important, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Like, since I have... I sat through the entire X-Men franchise with my friends recently. Oh, recently. I was going to say, I watched it too. Because of, <laughs> because of the stuff in, in WandaVision. Yeah. Um, Looking at Olivia Cook, I think she would have been a better fit for um, Jean Grey. To be she just wasn't as popular at the time. I I I can I, I can I can understand that, but like looking at her, I'm like she has better chemistry with Ty than the other. Actors. Oh, Sophie Turner, yeah, Sophie Turner's really good looking, and her hair is naturally red, I believe, or blonde, close enough. But um, uh, no, it's just, no, 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 uh, no. I thought I, it was I think naturally, naturally red because she had it all throughout um Game of Thrones. Yeah, but I think you can just yeah. dye it. Either way, no, I think she like, was she good was for Jean Grey. Like it. It's just. Well, I think Olivia Cook would have been a good Jean Grey, to be honest. Oh yeah, but it, it, she probably she was, would have like had that. It, it probably would have saved Dark Phoenix. I mean, at least the chemistry, because you see Ty Sheridan in that movie with um, Sophie Turner, and it's they have chemistry. It's just not phenomenal natural. chemistry. Yeah, it's not natural. It's kind of just like there. It's like okay. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I'm gonna get into a lot of the darker stuff about this book. Um, especially involving, I think it's show. Uh, he, ooh, he, it's very sad in the book. What, what happens to him? Is show blind? No, because in the during the shining um sequence, uh, he says he he watched the film through his fingers. Oh, through his fingers. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I thought he was blind and no. had to like fucking. Um. Then it was revealed for him to be 11, so it makes sense that he watched it through his fingers. Dude, Shining isn't even that scary. It's not. I, I, I don't There's understand like why There's like two scary people... sequences, and that's it. I don't understand why people put it on such a high pedestal for, for it scary. It is a good horror movie. It's just not a scary movie. Also, I, I got to talk about IROC as well, because you also stated in your notes, and I'll yeah. get into that as well. I ended up looking into it, because I was like, I wanted to see if you could like find him in the background. Nah, he ain't there. Um. So yeah, I... Uh, um, the budget of this film, though, was um, between 155 million or 175 million. Yeah, give or take. Don't know. I think there was a couple reshoots. And uh, but it it kind of made its money back, not fully. It wasn't a total box office success. What do you mean? Its box office made all of its money back. Yeah, but like, count Even for inflation it, at this point too. Being in like it's three been two years, years ago, dude. Two years. Well. Yeah, um, it, it made a uh, 582.9 million at the box office. Well, yeah, okay, That's so I'm going to get into... <laughs> That's a um, lot. <laughs> it's a lot, but it could be a lot more. <laughs> so they were looking at this to be a billion-dollar franchise. Like, they were like, this is going to be the fucking shit. 
I, I can already tell you that the, that, that the second movie plan is going to be a fucking bomb. You think it's going to be a bomb, really? I think it's going to be interesting. The second book has gotten a lot of bad reviews so far. Well, because the second book seems like a cash grab. You know what I mean? More it's just or less. like let's yeah, it's like let's capitalize on this. It's like okay. But all right. But before we dive into notes, I'm going to give you some brief um, knowledge about this book. Um, sure. So th- this book, I, I have, I, I I've read through it once. I'm going to read through it again after we get on recording because I just love this book so much. Um. Uh, cl- pretty much, the cliff notes are, um, Iroch is a character. Not he. He's not this big brooding like bounty hunter um in the in the books he is just a kid yeah he's supposed to be in wade's class yes he he he's he's in wade's class everything he's pretty much like the douchebag of a school Mm -hmm. um so um a sad note show gets killed in the book the 11 year old um, I I don't think he he's eleven in the book. He's like oh, okay. I was like, about, like damn, these teenagers. They go he hard. He gets pushed out a window to make it look like a suicide. Oh yeah, they don't all meet up um that early, right? They, I, um yeah, they they don't meet up in the way they do in the book. No. Yeah, because he kind of just no, shows no, in, up in and the then movie. it's like, all right, here you go. Uh yeah. So show I I think either it's show or Dacto gets gets fucking killed. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 IOI goes to his house and pushes him out a window. Mm-hmm. Um, That's crazy. Uh, I think after the dance part, um, they um, the, the high five kind of split up for a moment, and Wade is left to his own devices in his house with nothing but a radio and a sex doll. <laughs> I wonder what he does. Um. Nothing, absolutely nothing. He's such a good boy. <laughs> trying to think of uh, and the in the end battle, I, I like it here, but the ending, but the ending of it was a mech fight in the book. We kind of got a mech fight. No, but no, it was just a straight. Everyone's in a mech. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I was like, we got the stuff um, at the at the end, mechish. I I I liked it because so, like when I was listening to the books, I I have the audiobook read by Will Wheaton. Really good commentary by him. He right. does voices for every character. Oh God, it's awesome. <laughs> That's a very Will Wheaton move. He he does voices for the Crypt Keeper. He does voices for a lot of things. It's so fucking good. Um, so like like since I, I I like visuals and everything. When I was when I was listening to the book, like it kind of makes you feel like you're in the Oasis and you're in your own mech and you're watching over. The, the fight happened between Wade and Nolan. Yeah, I gotta listen to more audiobooks. I feel like they're real cool. I, I highly recommend Ready Player One. It is so good. Um, the the stacks from the from like the, the visuals of the book to the movie, spot on, a hundred percent spot on. Well, that's good. But uh, yeah, other than that though, good stuff. I hype. I, I recommend it. Give it a listen. Read the book if you want to. Uh, I I don't have thoughts on the second book yet. All I know is I heard it's bad. You just I, bought I, it. I and you were like, it. all right. <laughs> no, actually, I, I got it for free since I had signed up for Audible Premium, mm. and then I canceled it. Just like so oh, you're book. one of the, you're one of those guys. And then they gave me 
kind of like uh, free credit. Yeah. So then I put that towards um, Ready Player Two. Ready Player Dos. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I hey, it, it's a free book. I'm not gonna complain. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but all right, guys. Um, I've babbled enough. I'm gonna dive into this these notes for you guys. Hell yeah. Development of this film began in 2010, um, when Warner Brothers acquired the rights to the book. In July 2015, Spielberg directed and produced the film, with casting for the film beginning in September 2015. Filming began in England in July of 2016, was completed in September 2016. Ooh, two months to film it? Wow. Normally you see films just take longer. In, I think it was just in England they did the filming. It, it it was. I I'll, I'll never forget seeing all the YouTube videos I was watching on this thing. <laughs> uh, the the visual effects will will hand were handled by Industrial Light and Magic, um, ILM, uh, Digital Domain, right? Yeah, Domain and Territory Studios, with some pre-visualization done by the Third Roof. Um, as with the novel, several popular culture re- pop culture references appear throughout the film, with references to Back to the Future, The Iron Giant, and The Shining. Hell yeah. Those are like the biggest ones. So yeah, I'll, I'll never forget when so when this film was announced that was being made, I, I was looking on YouTube for any more news, <laughs> and I came across like the people in England just, just recording scenes that were happening. What scenes were they recording? Like the um, the human the, stuff, the, the, or like the, ones, with the people running the, around the in the ones suits? That were, uh, th- there was stuff like uh, there was stuff in the stacks that, that were recorded because mm. they actually built a, a little bit of the stacks in real life. That's cool. Um, but the main ones that were shown up on YouTube were the final chase scene with the mail truck and the IOI car. Oh, that's dope. Makes sense though. Uh, I I'll. I, I, it's cool to see that uh, that the stacks were built, though. Uh, it, it wasn't like a full one; like, everything was built. It was, I think, it was like maybe like a few towers were, were built. That was about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the, the Back to the Future stuff was awesome. I love Back to the Future so much. I wish there was uh, a the little Irish. bit more references to Back to the Future. <laughs> well, like, well, there there is like um, when we're seeing Wade first walk through the Oasis. There's a Doc Brown in the background. There's a Mayor There's a lot of those Goldie, references, man. There's a Mayor Goldie Wilson poster in H's uh, workshop. There's that's a Lorian. In H's workshop, that's where also where you see Will Wheaton. Yes. I did not know that. There's also a funny thing. In the in H's workshop, there's a Coke can and a Pepsi can, and only one can is turned to show the like to show the lo- uh, lo- like the logo. Yeah, well, which one is it? Coke's? Uh, no, I think I think it was Pepsi actually. Oh, interesting. That's funny that uh, only one of them so, was sponsored. Whoever got, whoever paid more to get their logo shown. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff. There's a Pizza Hut, a Pizza Hut reference in this movie. What? <laughs> yeah, people see still eat at Pizza Hut apparently. I know it's just we don't have any Pizza Huts really here on Long Island. At least that's close to Suffolk County. Well, I I have one that's like legit up the road from me, but it's like the Pizza Hut Express. Yeah, I have a Pizza Hut Taco Bell. But it's got like the fucking, combination pizza yeah, hut and combination Taco Bell. pizza hut and Taco Bell. It's got breadsticks, pepperoni pizza, and cheese pizza. I was like, cool, man. <laughs> Continue yeah. with the notes. So we're ready to play one. 
<laughs> premiered at the South by Southwest in Austin, in Austin, Texas, in March of 2018, and was theatrically released two weeks by later. <laughs> yeah, in the United States on March 29, 2018, the film received generally positive reviews from critics and grossed over 582 million, as well as nominated at the 91st Academy Awards, 24th Critics Choice Awards and 72nd British Academy Film Awards as um, all the visual effects but lost to the First Man and Black Panther respectively. How did it lose to First Man? I have never seen First Man. So First Man was the movies. Ryan Gosling First Man on the Moon story. Oh. I feel like there can be some cool visuals in that but it's not like it's like aliens attacking Ryan Gosling. It's legit just like a biopic. You think, I think it's mainly like a, a lot of people get their heart on whenever they can recreate space. Yeah, and then um, Black Panther. There's Black a lot of good scenes in that movie with visual effects, but there's also a lot of bad scenes in that movie with visual yes, effects. That, I would have given it like to PS2 I would have given it to uh, Ready Player One because it's just visually stunning, like ever all across the board. Mm. You want to pick up now with notes? Yeah, so Warner Brothers bought the film rights from the producers Dan Farah and Donna Delane in 2010, one year before the book was published. Ernest Klein was set to write the script for the film, which Delane and Farah would produce. Uh, Eric Eisen rewrote Klein's script, and Zach Penn was hired to rewrite the previous drafts by Klein and Eason, who became uncredited for the final draft, along with the Village Roadshow pictures coming aboard. Steven Spielberg signed on to direct and produce the film, which uh, Kristen Krieger also produced, along with The Line of Horror. Uh, Klein and Penn made several revisions while adapting the novel to film. Most of these changes were to eliminate scenes that would be uninteresting in a visual format, such as when Wade beats the high score in Pac-Man and recites all the lines from the film War Games. I would not have I, want I, to. I, I wouldn't have want to see the War Games thing. I think that would have been kind of lame. The Pac-Man one would have been. Uh, fun because I, I I know how that scene plays out. Yeah. Because he pretty much I think he he frequents a, a pizza shop every time. Mm. And just tries and to then and and then also like with the Pac Man high score, that's how he gets the one up coin. Mm. I liked him getting it from the curator by making a bet. I think that was more interesting. I, I think like like the, the the reciting all the lines from War Games would have been interesting if they would have dumbed it down. Just like recite like the opening, like recite one of the monologues or something that they give, or like or, one of the or, big or scenes, just, just, or, or just have them go through the ending. Of, of yeah, games. maybe. Anyway, so uh, like I was saying up at the top of the show, Ellie Fanning, Olivia Cook, and Lola Kirk were frontrunners for the role of Artemis, with Cook announced as being part of the cast in September. Ben Mendelsohn, Ty Sheridan, Simon Pegg, and everyone else joined later. It's re- dude, it's crazy that Olivia Cook was the first one cast in this film. The main character, Ty Sheridan, wasn't even cast until later. That's crazy. Cook was in the film in 2015, and then Ty didn't even come in until February of 2016. That is ridiculous. I gotta see who these actresses are, because I don't remember. You don't know who Ellie Fanning is? I think I do, but also, like, gotta remember, like, I I, I think I probably know Dakota Fanning. That's true. I don't know who Lola Kirky is, though. And then everyone else, like I said, joined later. Um, oh, I know who she is now. She's from the we, we Bought a Zoo movie. Okay. Letitia yeah. Wright was in this movie. Uh, I think she, I think she probably paid. Um, Letitia Wright is um Shuri from Black Panther. To, to, 
No, that definitely was not her. Letitia Wright is not Spanish. She is Shuri in Black Panther. <laughs> Who was she in Ready Player One? Go ahead and jump. Oh, she was Reb. In the safe house. Oh, she was just someone in the safe house. Okay. She just played a rebel in the safe house. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I was like, I was like, why is she casting this? But not a rebel in the safe house. Yeah, she's she's credited as a rebel in the safe house. I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, uh, production began in 2016, and they filmed at a bunch of places that you already talked about. Um, There's a lot of this. Okay, we don't need that. Um, Okay, here we go. What we did it. Yeah, visual effects supervisor Roger Guyot stated that the visual effects team would collaborate with Spielberg, writers, Klein, and Penn. Uh, he said, What we did at one point was to have a card for every single character that would be considered a hero, characters within the movie. And we'd put them on a board, and Steven and everyone else spent hours assigning them to scenes. We'd say, This is where we want whoever to be Batman, Chun-Li, or whoever goes. And then we went through the whole movie doing that. As the scene develops, we got uh, an understanding of how many characters we needed. That's crazy. They just went, we need all these characters. Which ones can we use? If you notice, there's like no Marvel characters in this movie. That that we can see. Oh yes, that we can see. up in, like We see Batman. We see Joker. We see Harley Quinn. We see Spawn. We see... Chun Li, Ryu, like we see all these characters from video games and TV see shows. A, a cat with big tits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we don't see any. Like we don't see Iron Man. We don't see Captain America. We don't see Spider Man. I understand not seeing Spider Man. That's a Sony thing. But like, I'm surprised we didn't see Iron Man. At least up front. I think it's because MCU was like, nah. Yeah. Marvel Studios is a little tight. Off. Yeah. Uh, big mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of the film takes place in a virtual space based on the Overlook Hotel as seen in the movie The Shining. This was mostly a digital recreation using high-quality telescene uh, of the original film, allowing new camera angles and shots that did not appear in the original film. Some original footage, though, was used with uh, ILM's modifications. Only a few scenes of the sequence involved real actors, such as the appearance of the Grady twins and required production of the physical sets. The Shining sequence was post-processed with film grain and other aging effects. Fuck you, Philadelphia, PA. And other aging effects. I get random calls sometimes. Um, your warranty. Uh, effects to make new footage closely resemble the original. During the production of Ready Player One, the VFX team built the sequence of the Overlook in the digital realm. Stanley Kubrick's blueprints were used to create the film. They also made um, a bunch of references, including the Time Machine, Iron Giant, Chucky, King Kong, which was modeled after the 1933 version. Uh, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, and they used uh, digital domain, used motion capture and virtual sets. They created over 300 effect shots for the primarily live-action portions of the film. That's crazy. I thought I, I thought the Kong w- w- was based off of James Cameron's. Kong. Nah. I think it's supposed to look like that, but then like the the fur and the coloring is different. But whatever. I, I still found I still found it funny how there's a Mecha Godzilla and Kong, and we're just covering <laughs> shit like later on. Yeah, the virtual sets were powered by game engines and were used to congruently uh, used congruently with the motion capture process. With pre-visualization supervisor Scott Meadows explaining that in real time, Snyder would put on a headset and scout the sets and make adjustments. That's fucking cool. Uh, on June 2016, John Williams was initially to form. Uh, John Williams came onto the score, but he wasn't able to do it. And then Alan Silvestri 
came on for the rest of it. The original score was released by Water Tower Music as a two-part CD on the 28th, I mean 30th of 2018, with a vinyl and cassette releases projected. So much That's, stuff. So much yeah, stuff. So much bullshit. Um, at Spielberg's request, Sylvester references his own music to Back to the Future, and they even get the King Kong theme, um, the Akira theme for Godzilla, and even the theme from The Shining. And um, funny note. And you, you added a little note, yeah. Yep. Um, it's funny to see that the, the, the Akira bike is in this movie. Um, a lot of people, like, if I, um, if you know Spielberg's career and you know, like, George Lucas's everything... Uh, they said that Akira would be unmarketable in the United States, which proved to be wrong. <laughs> Akira is up there with the most beloved um, anime stuff outside of like, um, well, I'm talking about older anime outside of maybe like Cowboy Bebop, uh, yeah. Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, we'll be covering it at some point soon. Yes. We, we might cover the Cowboy Bebop movie as well. Who knows? Yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, where are we? Alright, let's move on to the plot, 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 plot. Okay. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to give you a break, Hunter. You can a lot. Um, in 2045, people seek to escape from reality through the visual reality entertainment universe called the Oasis. Ontologically anthropocentric sensory immersive simulation. I got it in hey, one. Hey, good job. <laughs> do you want a cookie for that one? I do. You weren't going to do it. <laughs> exactly, because I only know it by the Oasis. It was never, like, I never heard any of that. I don't know, man. It's not even in the book. Uh, yeah, so the Oasis created by James Halliday and Ogden Morrow of Gagarius, of, yeah, Gagarius Games. After Holiday's death, a pre-recorded message left by his avatar, Anorak, the all-knowing. And now it's a game uh, granting ownership of the Oasis to the first to find the golden Easter egg within it, which gets gets locked behind a gate requiring three keys, which players can obtain by by accomplishing three challenges. The contest has lured several gunters, or egg hunters, and is um, in the interest of Nolan Sorrento, the CEO of 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 innovative online industries IOI, who seek to control the Oasis um, himself by inserting intrusive online advertising. IOI uses an army of uh, of indentured servants. Thank you, and employee employees called Sixers to find the egg. Yo, so, if if I was legit living in this world, and Sorrento decided like when I saw the eighty percent screen that like we can get eighty percent of these ads on screen. I was like, I, I was like, I was like, yo man, I'd rise up to fuck that guy. So <laughs> I hate ads um, on my iPhone games. Uh, so I, I remember when, but back when there were no ads on them. Oh, dude, I wish we didn't get ads on the free games and stuff like that. So it's ridiculous. Uh, so the Sixers. Uh, I remember that. So in the in the book, they're not designed the way we see them in the movie. In the book, they're kind of like just um, Agent Smith looking people. That's funny. <laughs> so they have like so pretty much like they all look the same, and they just have like their name and number above them. Mm, I like to how they look in this though. I think they look. Good. I 
Well, I I would have loved like the 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 Agent Smith looking stuff because pretty much how how um how Nolan Sorrento looked, mm-hmm. that that's pretty much how they were supposed to look like big mm. like big brooding b- b- business guys. Gotcha, gotcha. It, it, it's cool to see that stuff. Also, I'll I'll get into the the key stuff and how yeah. I w- how I would wanted a lot of stuff from the keys from the book to be adapted, but we can't always get what we want. Hopping back, to the, hopping back to the plot, though. Wade watches Avatar, Parzival, and avid Gunter uh, participates in the first challenge to obtain um to and uh, participates in the first challenge, an unbeatable race, along with the best his best friend H and Artemis. Artemis is not his friend at this point. That's kind of a weird. It says his best friend there. and Artemis. Okay, his best friend H and Artemis. A female avatar who Parzival has a crush on. Parzival regularly visits Holiday's Journal to, like, uh, 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 Holiday's Journal, a simulated archive of Holiday's life and hobbies. Run by the curator, Wade receives a copper key from Anorak after he wins by driving backwards, while Artemis, H, and his friends, Daito and Sho, all win the race afterwards, later being co- uh, collectively named the high five on the oasis scoreboard that's fun yeah like um so also i that the high five was not really a thing in the in the books either they don't really clan up that much shut up nerd fuck you <laughs> it's a good movie I'm sorry, shut but up the nerd book is so good the book is like so much better anyway uh, sorrento asks the mercenary irock to learn parzival's true identity intending to bribe him to win the contest on ioi's behalf Wade and Artemis discover the journals that Halliday once dated Moro's wife, Karen Kira Underwood. Wade and Artemis visit the dis- uh, the distracted Globe nightclub to look for clues, where Wade confesses his love and true name to Artemis, which she fucking freaks out about, which rightfully so. They survive an IOI raid in which Artemis abandons Wade, explaining to her f- uh, that her father died in debt to IOI. Irock, who is eavesdropping on the conversation, informs Sorrento of his findings. Uh, Sorrento contacts Wade with his final offer when rejected, Sorrento attempts to kill Wade by bombing his home, killing his aunt, Alice, and her shitty boyfriend, Rick, among others. Artemis's player, <clears throat> Samantha Cook, takes Wade in by <laughs> fucking <laughs> giving him chloroform. Uh, together, they realize the second challenge relates to Halliday's regret of not pursuing her relationship with Kira. Along with H, Daito, and Sho, Parzival and Artemis search the Overlook Hotel from The Shining for clues. There, Artemis asks Kira to dance and thereby wins the Jade Key. Sorrento's subordinate, Finale, bad name, Xandor, storms the Gunter's hideout. Her name is Finale, I hate it. Uh, taking Samantha to an IOI loyalty center to pay off her father's debt, which they all bought. Uh, Wade escapes with the help of the other High Five users. Uh, Helen Harris, who plays, who is H, yeah, Toshiro, who's Daito, and Joe, who is Sho, in Helen's ice cream mail truck thing. Samantha escapes confinement after hacking Sorrentino's Oasis rig. Is that what it's called? Ice cream truck thing? It's. I thought it was like an ice cream truck, but it kind of looks it's like a, a mail, mail truck. truck from the there future. You from the future. You're a mail truck from the future. <laughs> what is? This? What does that even mean? I don't know, man. <laughs> Kindergarten insults. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> ice, ice cream truck mail thing? No, it's a mail truck. I didn't know it, it even has the U.S. posted on it. I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at them driving around. <clears throat> God, I hate you. <laughs> Wait, do you want to continue? The do you third want me to continue? Ch- 
the third challenge is found in Castle Anorak on Planet Doom, where players must guess Holiday's favorite Atari game to each <laughs> to earn the crystal. Iron places. Apparently, Planet Doom is from Voltron. Huh. Yeah, I clicked on it. <laughs> Iraq places a force field around the castle using the orb of Osavox. Don't say that again. But, <laughs> but uh, Artemis can disable it. Dude, I uh, love the course. line right before she disables it. He's like, how long can this stay up? He's like, oh, I don't know, about uh, 10 uh, million years? I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then, then she just shuts it down two seconds later. Oh, dude. So uh, good. Good I would have loved for um for that to be all like uh, kind of like a, a quick one-liner from T.J. Miller or maybe ten, ten seconds, seconds. <laughs> or maybe ten ten seconds. <laughs> the high five lead an army of, to, of the Oasis players against the Sixers. Sorrento fights back, but H. Daito and Artemis destroy his avatar. Uh, Parzival destroys Samantha's avatar, allowing her to free. Uh, a flee IOI while the high five pick her up and reaches the console uh, and reach the console. Uh, but Sorrento, but Sorrento detonates the um, cataclysm bomb. The cataclysm bomb. I knew what it was. I'm sh- <laughs> <sighs> uh, wiping out every avatar on planet Doom, including himself. Parzival survives using an extra life coin given to him earlier by the creator in a bet. He plays the 1980s game Adventure, winning the crystal key by locating Warren at, by Warren Robinette's Easter egg. He uses the three keys to enter a treasure room where Anorak offers him a, cra- a contract to sign. Parzival recognizes it is it is as the one Morrow signed when Holiday forced him out of Gregarious Games and refused to sign it. Anorak transforms into Holiday, who expresses he, re- he his regrets in life, handing over the Easter egg. Yeah, buddy. This is a really good scene before we finish it out. This is a really good scene where we get to see, like, him basically saying, Hey, man, I wish I lived more in the real world. I wish I got to, like, you know, kiss the girl I loved. You know, don't just live in the world, blah, blah, blah. And that's when they make the rules, like, hey, we're only allowing the Oasis to be opened on Tuesday and Thursday, blah, blah, blah. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asrento and Zandor are arrested by police who received a recording of the confession from Arm H. Ogden Morrow appears, uh, revealing that he is the curator. Wade decides to run the Oasis with the high five, um, innovating Morrow to join them, inviting Morrow to join them as a consultant. After barring the access of IOI's loyalty center, the high five make the controversial choice to close the Oasis every Tuesday and oh, Thursday. They close it every Tuesday and Thursday, but keep it open the other five. I mixed it up. Yes. So people can spend time in the real world. Meanwhile, Wade and Samantha move into an apartment together. Bounce. Oh. Okay, so <laughs> before we get into movie notes, I will I will talk about the, um, the, the keys and how they all played out. So the copper key is found on one of the school planets. Um, it is um, in a tomb of horror, which is a reference to the Dungeons of Dragons. Uh, tomb of horrors, of course. Um, mm-hmm. it, it especially um, it especially states that the that the copper key are being located within a digital recreation of the model. 
I think yeah, th- this one he has to fight the like the uh, the crypt keeper mm-hmm. in a game of joust. He has to beat him. Uh, I think like two out of three times, which is like fucking insane. That's how gaming works. Um. Uh, the jade key is found in a box of cereal. <laughs> nice. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. Um. When the Oasis user acquires the copper key, they are presented with a single line of text. What? What? Lo- uh. What? What you seek lies hidden in the trash of the deepest level of dra- uh, of Dragonorth. I just. Oh, it's another Dungeon and Dragons thing. Um. The captain. Uh, carousel the JK. It's, it's it's pretty much fine in a in a thing of, of Cracker Jacks. Mm. It's a reference. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And the other one is uh, doing the stuff from War Games. Another one is reciting an entire guitar riff from a Rush song. <laughs> That's funny. Pretty much. That would like, be interesting uh, to see. In other words, so like it's not like like uh, in here there's keys. And then it opens up for here. There's keys and gates, mm. so it's like so it's different steps each way. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's not just a key then a hint. It goes key gate key, then you have to find the gate. So. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is it's still really cool. I, I would love it to see. Like, it would have dragged the two hour and twenty minute movie to like three hours. I'm good. <laughs> I I I, I would like to see the gates mainly. I, I don't care about the challenges. I would like to see key. Then they they would have to find a gate. Mm. That's just me, though. Yeah, because you're a nerd. Yes. Uh, and also, <laughs> I love this book so much. So, Hunter, you have the least notes. I was surprised by this. I thought you would I've have I've already some. seen this movie once or twice. Everything, every shock factor thing. Like, oh, man, that's a cool reference. Yeah, so don't really have any notes. I like the film a lot, but this is not my first time viewing all the cool shit. So, you know. I didn't really have like, oh man, that's cool. Look, there's Batman. Look, there's Chun Li. Look, Iron Giant. Like, I don't have any of those because I've already seen this okay, movie, and I know you put feel it. Like a net. <laughs> but you like this movie a lot, so you know. Oh yeah, um, I'll, I'm gonna say like it's it's not in my top ten anymore. It definitely has fallen. Oh no, really? Wow. Yeah. I remember this being like one of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll, how I'll the mighty have fallen. Continue on with your notes. You get, since you got like this, a uh, few more lines. Yeah, I got like I got like none. Um, what was that lots of funny strikes, including Will Wheaton. He appears in a picture, um, a poster while he uh, Parzival is trying to like get his um, got his attire ready for uh, the date with Artemis. Mm-hmm. It, right, in front, right in front of the mirror, it's a picture of Will Wheaton. In the book, I believe Will Wheaton is referenced as the uh, community manager. I think so. And he's also, obviously, he reads the audiobook. And, um... Yeah, a lot of people were complaining, like, I can't believe Will Wheaton didn't get a cameo, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there like, I just saw him, what do you mean? Well, I think Will Wheaton also wanted to play the young James Halliday. I think he did too, but, you know, they did not do that. Um, okay, cool, great riff. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no. Uh, would have loved to see IROC IRL, but the movie don't do that. Uh, in the book, apparently, he goes to school with Wade. Uh, that IOI building is stupid. What if the middle just fell out? 
in I, I don't think in the book, <laughs> I think visually wise, it's not um connected like that. Mm, okay. I think it's I I then another building O then yeah. another building I. Uh his password is Bossman sixty nine, Lamau. Yep, he's <laughs> definitely someone from our generation. Yeah, and then uh, I love people kicking in the streets. That's fucking hilarious. Um, when Finale is driving around and looking for Parzival and company, um, she sees a bunch of people kicking and fighting in the streets, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and that is the end of my mid-movie notes. Zachary, take it away. I I, I love the opening. I, I love the opening track to this movie. Like The soundtrack is... <laughs> The chef's kiss, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack uh, is fun the, 80s nostalgia. The, the the stacks are a spinning image of the books. I I have the book right here. If you if you just look up, just, just Ready Player One book cover, you'll see the stacks. It's there. Um, the opening to the Oasis is so nice. Just kind of going through, the, like the Minecraft world, the sex world, the sports world. No, oh, the sex world was funny. It's it's nice. Um, climbing Mount Everest with Batman. Uh, so many character cameos. Ah. And then ah! always goes out. I love the DeLorean. Such a beautiful car. Uh, everything like it's that. It's actually ass so in nice. real life. <laughs> uh, the, the, the race scene is also the chef's kiss. Because um, I like how... Um, Spielberg does chase scenes. I think like he he's known for not adding music to any chase scene he does. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, that's why I love. There's no music in this. It's just the sound of the engines, the sound of people dying, uh, ah! cars getting crushed. <laughs> uh, the the race is just so so good. Um, Kong, the Iron Giant. I, I kind of wish they, they put the same bronze key fine in the movies as the book, but it's still nice. Um, our boy, T.J. Miller. <laughs> we love T.J. Miller. <laughs> and here's where he gets to my outrageous notes. She touches his pee-pee. He tells her... <laughs> she he does tells touch her, pee-pee. He tells her name after good pee-pee touch. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> He's like, yo, uh, I love you. My name's uh, Wade. And it's like, bro, I just touched your pee-pee once. <laughs> the Zemeckis cube for the win, including the Back to the Future chime. Um, when this was done in the book, it was so epic. Holy hand movie. grenade! I forgot. I, oh, I I think this was referencing. Oh yeah, so um, this is um, um, when Nolan calls uh Wade to his office. They they, they um, this scene is good, but the book was a little bit cooler. Yeah, what they do in the because, book? Because um, they were arguing, and he he goes, "Sit down, Wade." He kind of he kind of yells at him, and and, and that's, that's more of a shock. Then that's when he figures out his name instead of Ben Mendelsohn just going, "Yeah, I know your name, Wade." Like, okay, guy. He goes like, "Yeah, come on, Wade." Like, ah, uh, that one's like, "Uh," but like, I, like they're arguing. He goes, "Sit down, Wade." I'm, we're gonna blow up your your shit now. Mm-hmm. It's like, huh? Yeah, I see icing on the cake. Um, he's like, wait, no, I'm not even there. <laughs> and he's like, like we're, we're, we're just still very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Part of the book, 
seeing the stacks blow up on the big screen is very good, being that I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shining score, that always sends chills down my spine. It's a good score. Uh, IOI during the Shining level is just gold. Everyone's screaming or dying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm going to be a lot of book comparisons, but this scene, the group battle was handled so well in both the book and the movie. Uh, sure, the book was a bit better because it was just a mech fight, um, and here it was just an all-out war, but still getting to see my favorite part of the book play out on the movie screen made me feel good. Twisted Sister for the win for the final battle song of We're Not Gonna Take It. So, mm-hmm. so good. Uh, definitely gonna read the book when I'm editing the podcast. Fucking Chucky. It's Chucky! <laughs> it, that was, like, the best use of the one fuck in, in, in a PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mecha Godzilla, fucking Gundam, and then, yeah, the last Gundam but not least, cool. Gene Wilder was rumored and supposed to be playing James Holiday. Yeah, because this movie was <sighs> trying to get made into... Uh, yeah, this was trying to get made in 2010. I believe when Wilder was still around. So. Well, no, I, I think Wilder stopped acting after a bit, but I think this was going to try to reel him back in, because I think he would have definitely taken the older James Holiday role. Oh, for sure. And you could have... If, if you would have got Gene Wilder as old James Holiday, then you could have possibly... Will Wheaton. Like, w- w- wormed w- w- Will Wheaton into the young holiday. Yeah. They don't look too similar, but it could work. Well, you, you don't look the same as you did when you were young when you were old. You look fairly similar. You're not a different person. Yeah, for the most part. The review now. Rotten Tomatoes. Hell the yeah, dude. The film holds an approval rating of 72%. Uh, the critical consensus reads, Ready Player One is a sweetly nostalgic thrill ride that neatly encapsulates Spielberg's strength while adding another solidly engrossing adventure to his filmography. Yeah, dude, I feel that. Um, (sighs) I gave this slightly higher than you. Very slightly higher. Yeah, just barely. I will read the good review from Richard Props from the Independent Film Critic. Most filmmakers fail miserably when trying to meddle through, or meld through, both real and fantasy worlds. Yeah, this is truly where Spielberg reminds us of his extraordinary talent. Yeah, you forget Spielberg directs. You just think he's like an old director, and then he comes back with this shit, and you're like, oh my god, he's still got it. Well, he, he directed my favorite childhood movie, E.T. Follow the hub. So, now on to the bad review by Jonathan Romney from Film Comet Magazine. For all its ferocious energy, Ready Player One strikes me as a product of a cinema of a cinema of exhaustion. It's a film about having come too far and being at the end of something, where extraordinary things no longer mean much or have become toxic. What is that review? I don't I, think that guy I, understood anything about this movie at all. I, I a, a lot of the bad reviews, legit, were just kind of like complaining because they're babies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, this just seems like a nonsense sounded, complaint. Th- 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 this is the only one that sounded somewhat smart. <laughs> it's smart because he used big words. 
<laughs> everything was like I'll, I'll even I'll even go back to hold on some of them are just like movie bad <laughs> so some of the negative reviews go as on oh, I don't care ah uh, why fucking ad blocker yeah yeah I gotta fucking refresh now okay uh, some of the bad reviews go um, Ready Player One is a pageant of now dated pop culture references and elaborate feat of CGI and copyright uh, clearance with image from games and movies speeding past to the tune of Van Halen and AHA. I saw this film in IMAX and a week later I'm still wanting, I'm still waiting for the safe return of my optical nerves. But it was the um, mer- uh, the mirage emotional charge of the shock or, uh, for most. Turns out the treating the movie entirely as a jungle gym uh, brings out the Peter Pan's inner brat. He made a movie for Lost Boys. Yeah, a These lot of reviews just, seem kind of just petty. Yeah. So I, I just like the one that, I went with the one that sounded the most knowledgeable, at least for, mm-hmm. for the most part. I feel that. Everything else was just like, oh, my eyes hurt. Oh, it's just CGI. Oh. <laughs> Do you not realize what the movie's supposed to be? <laughs> like, like, like this one. It is, despite Spielberg's claims, neither a uh, purely uh, hated, a uh, purely. Uh, hearted popcorn flick, nor a. I'm not even gonna fucking pronounce Paul. They. No, no, not even gonna fucking try. Um, but something usually uh, uneasily is between uh, cowed by the idea of the fanboy demographic. Mm, all right, and that was from I'm... Buzzfeed. Oof, no, never trust Buzzfeed. All right, I'm gonna read my review. I gave it seven. She could actually be a 300-pound dude who lives in his mama's basement in suburban Detroit, and her name is Chuck out of 10. <laughs> I went for it. <laughs> I, I can tell. So explain, why'd you give this reigning big, big guy? Hey, I'm only big because I'm taller than you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this film is visually stunning with from... Oh, my God. This film is visually stunning. This is my rating explanation. With, from what I've heard, is a solid adaptation of the book with a sequel to come. It's just the story itself feels uh, leaves more to be desired. Sheridan and company are great, but the movie moves way too quickly once it gets started. It has a big pacing problem. Like, right when he gets the first key, it's like, alright, you get no fucking time to breathe, we're gonna get to the end of the movie in the next two hours. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, I really wanted, like, they found the first key. Now, how long does it take them to find the second key? Oh, three days? Okay, that's dumb. Like, give it a break. Why? Well, because, like, that, that's technically how long it took them in the book, too. It took them a couple of days to find each key. I know, but I wish the movie kind of, like, gave us more time with them finding everything. Rather than them just getting everything immediately. Well, that's why I, I preferred how the book does it. We, we go key, then they have to find a gate. Then they mm. have to, like, and then once they find that gate, they have to find the, the, the other key inside of that gate. Hmm. That's like the, uh, that's where I, I, I see the book um, prevails over the over the movie. Yeah, I got you. But now, all right. My what review, is your rating? 
I gave it 8.5. Viola, I, voila, which is French for, and then I found it. Out of 10. Which, where was that with Ben Mendelsohn line? No, that was um the T.J. Miller line when he found I think the Orbos box. Oh yeah, <laughs> he found it with the Pirate King. Yeah, there's one thing I I, I hate: steampunk, pirates, and Tabuli. <laughs> yeah, what is? I'm surprised you didn't use that line. I, I I was going to, but I'm like, ah, I think you might use that one. <laughs> nah, I, I went for the straight up like paragraph. I was like, this is funny. <laughs> so I well, speaking of paragraphs, I have a paragraph of yeah, of my of my reading explained. Yeah, mine's so like a sentence, gone, and you're like going ham. <laughs> I've gone on and off the record and saying I love this film, and it's up there with one of my favorites. But watching it, but watching it again with a more critical eye, I do see the flaws. Also, um, as uh, as the uh, as always, the book for the most part is way better. The movie does things better that mainly bring the world of the Oasis to life. Other than that, um, they could have done the similar things from the book to the movie, with the fact that the author of the book being the being on the writing staff of this movie. Overall, though, this movie is still pretty good, but it has fallen to my top 20 versus when it was at my top 10. What pushed it out? I think I might have moved... Um, I, I also It might be one of the movies that we recently reviewed. I, I think I think probably five hundred days of summer probably took the, took the spot. Wow, you like that movie that much? Wow. I, I I like the relatability to that movie. Yeah, I was gonna say you relate to it a lot more than I do. And yeah. that, that, that's just me though. I, I like the, the the relatability. Um, we, I, that also was like the first time in a long time we we both agreed on giving a movie like a nine. Yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> Maybe for our year-end review that we do, we'll also talk about our top ten favorite films just to get it out there yeah, so people know that, our taste. That's what I was going to suggest as well. Sounds cool. Yeah. So about like 20 episodes from now, we're going to do a year-end review. So be prepared for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and be prepared, guys. We already have our schedule booked up until 2022. <laughs> well, everything gets subject to change. But, yeah, we decided to just throw a bunch of movies on there because we were bored the other day. So <laughs> We were bored the other day, and, I, and I, we might get into – some film universe stuff outside the view askew. Well, yeah, because we there's a bunch that we just want to jump into, so I figured add those into. So yeah, Zachary, do you want to close <laughs> us out, baby boy? Yeah, sh- sure. Uh, thank you guys for watching. You can follow us on Instagram at Box Office Losers, and on Twitter at Box Office Loser without the S for up to date news. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. By subscribe, we mean subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe everywhere, wherever you're listening to this on the podcast world. We are working on sponsors. They have not gotten back to me yet. I'm kind of sad. Um, oh, it is what it is. We are a very small podcast channel. Yeah, we, we so. are. We are, but I, I'm still very sad. Come on, Manscaped and Raycons. Get, 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 get back to me. Dude, hit Please. up Raid Shadow Legends. I'll sponsor anybody. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> How much do you want? $200 each. Deal. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> I'll take 100 each. <laughs> um, and also, uh, yeah, so just follow us there. The, the YouTube channel is doing pretty good. Um, our, um, our review from uh, Be My Cat is still climbing in views. Crazy. It's still fucking going up there. I feel like we're uh, one of the only channels that has ever reviewed that film. That's why. 
no, a lot of people have reviewed it, but I think we have done a little bit more of a deep dive into it, I guess. Well, yeah, because we look at the notes and stuff, and we, uh, like, outside of the people give everybody, well. yeah. It, uh, it does make our show a tiny bit boring sometimes, but our show is very informational. So if you want any, like, fun trivia to spring on your friends, listen to our show. We give you some fun yeah. little facts about stuff you may not have known. Now, Hunter, where can they find you? On the internet or in real life? <laughs> I don't know. Do you, you can find me personal at, information. No. no, you can find me at Scruffy Moose Man everywhere on the internet. You can find me at Android's Amazing Podcast every Wednesday. It's a comic book podcast I do with my coworker from the job I work at. Uh, you can find me every other Tuesday at Pound That Button. It's a gaming podcast that I do with my friends from high school. And every Thursday, you can find me at the Farthest Galaxy, a Star Wars podcast where I do it with one of my best friends. We just talk about Star Wars and have a good time. And, uh, yeah, right now we're about to cover, uh, what's this week? Next week, we are going to be covering the start of the sequel trilogy. So be prepared for that, guys. Woo-woo! Hitting up with Ray, Finn, and Poe. Zachary, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can can find me at Dark Shadow Zake literally everywhere. When I say everywhere, I mean fucking everywhere. You can also find me every Thursday on the Sports Hit List reviewing AEW on the AEW Injection. Recently, last week's episode hit 1,000 views as of yesterday. Nice. Congratulations. That's fucking awesome. So um, we're getting up there. That is like uh, that is my passion project. This is also our, our this is also my passion project. Who knows? Maybe also for that year review, we'll, we'll talk about the, the story behind this podcast as well. Yeah, for sure. Because this is this is like four years in the making. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, guys, we thank you all for watching and listening. I don't do whatever you can. If this is all in the background, this is not in the background. We still appreciate you. Goodbye, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. First to the key. First to the egg.